My life used to feel like I was stuck on autopilot, trapped in the same thought loops, worries, and fears. Then something major happened. Enter psychedelics. My name is Kat Walsh, and you're listening to Trip On This. Join me as we journey together into these mysterious realms, discussing everything from personal transformation, otherworldly experiences, and practical at-home tips. Welcome, fellow traveler, to the land of limitless possibilities. Welcome back, everyone. We have finally made it. This is Trip on This Season 3. I am so excited to have you all here back with me. If you are new to Trip on This, welcome. I am so excited, particularly for this year, because of all of the extraordinary people that I've had on my show so far. And my focus for this year and uh, what I would like to bring you here on Trip on This Season 3 is fascinating people and interesting stories and stories of transformation. You know, really leaning into the fun and the entertainment and the wow and all of what comes with these psychedelic experiences. So this first episode, I am with Anna D. And I am so excited to introduce this young woman to you all. Anna D is known as the stripper turned CEO. She made her first million when she was 21. She is so unapologetically herself. We talk about sex work on this, her journey from uh, hustle culture when she was selling weed to becoming a stripper to opening three or four of her own businesses. I mean, she is truly inspiring and doesn't look like the the inspiring in quotes that you would see on your normal, uh, on some political stage. You know, she is doing life the way that she wants to do it. And as someone who also wishes to move through the world, marching to the beat of my own drum as well, she is just an incredible model of doing that. So we get into her story and of course, how she worked with Magic Mushrooms to get off of SSRIs and to help her with her own depression. Cause y'all know we're all human and we all go through it. And so this episode is not only fun, it's informative and just a wonderful way to kick off a new year here in 2023. I mean, we're still in the first half, right? It's okay to say it. <laughs> so with that, please enjoy this first episode of Trip on This Season 3 with my guest, Anna D. Anna D, the hustle queen. Welcome to Trip on This. I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited for people to learn about your story. I have had the joy of getting to know you, obviously preparing for this interview, and people are going to go on an absolute ride with you today, and I cannot wait. Well, I was going to say thank you for just giving, providing the platform because there's so many sex workers out here that have amazing stories, and it's like we're just thrown in the trash when it comes to our, our humanity. So it's, it's great that podcasts alone, we can just have the freedom to unauthentically be ourselves. So yeah. Thank you for and to, and to hear it actually from like, you're so smart and you're business savvy and really you're able to talk about some of the emotional aspects of, of the sex work. And of course we'll get into that, but why don't we start with today? You are a professional goddess, an entrepreneur, can you tell us a little bit about what that means? I, I think people know me as like the stripper that became a CEO. So when you are a dancer, a performer, you are, it's, it's like, it's like school, you know, I, I didn't go to college, but I basically got my management degree, my customer service expertise, like so many things I was learning subconsciously and I was already a natural hustler. So it was like, oh shit, this is this is going to be bad for yeah, or yeah, good, yeah. bad, but, um, it's, it's just like, I've always been self-proclaimed at everything I do. And I never felt like I needed a title from like the government to put on it. Mm -hmm. So building my own life, building my own brand, never having a boss. It almost, it really doesn't seem real when you wake up out of bed, open your computer and all this is happening with your e-commerce businesses or mm -hmm. your books or your podcasts and all these things. But I've just always taken life by the balls, whatever I've wanted to do. I don't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. And I've never had a business plan. I've always just ridden on um, finding opportunities, making them myself, 
like, I guess kind of law of attraction thing. I really Mm -hmm. said, you know, I can fucking do it. Like I will pave the way if I have to. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing it. I mean, so can you talk a little bit about what your e-commerce businesses are? I know obviously you've got a very interesting TikTok series. Talk to us a little bit about it. Yeah. It's it's hard to like when people ask me what I do, especially strangers, I get word vomit because I don't know if I should just pick one thing or tell them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've I've always, you know, sold stuff online. I was an eBay, Etsy kind of girl. So once I had my own website, alienoutfitters.com, it was a viral sensation on Instagram back when the algorithm was in our favor. Mm-hmm. And as I grew, my products changed. So especially when I got comfortable with my sexuality, I started selling sex toys and I smoked a lot of pot. So I started selling bongs and then I had a knife collection and I was like, oh, I can wholesale knives. So mm-hmm. I had all these really strange products together, which created this niche without me even knowing it. And I kind of called it like my one-stop stripper shop because, <laughs> you know, these hoes love to smoke weed and be sexy and masturbate. Mm-hmm. And they also want to be protected and have cute clothes. So that was like the big portion of, I'd say like 18 to 24. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the internet started changing and payment processors and all these things happened. And I realized I had to get the pipes, the dildos, the knives off of this one website. Cause mm-hmm. I couldn't advertise. And there were so many hurdles alone that were just so fucking frustrating. Like one black Friday, PayPal was just like, no, we can't process orders. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like this my is my God. biggest sales day of the year, wow. but we pivot. So yeah. I created the horny mm-hmm. which are the, the dillies and the dongs mm-hmm. and bongs. <laughs> and all the good things. Um, So that in itself has become, I never realized it would go so crazy. That's been amazing to navigate that. And then bladesforbabes.com is all the self-defense, the novelty knives, Mm. which is also a very profitable business. So that's my three web stores. So alongside of this, I'm Mm -hmm. basically a sex worker behind the scenes in my younger twenties, like super ashamed about it. Webcam modeling. Um, selling like my dirty underwear and socks. And it wasn't until TikTok came around that I was like, I'm going to talk about this and try to be anonymous. And Rebecca Blue was born. And my viral series, Weird Things I Saw on the Internet, went crazy. I shot to a million followers. And all of a sudden, my accountant was like, okay, between OnlyFans and the weird stuff you're selling, like we have to incorporate this and make a new payroll for you. So that's when my entertainment company was born. That's Mm -hmm. when the book started, the podcast, Mm -hmm. and they're like sister stores. It's just this big slutty empire that (laughs) I I, I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's absolutely working. So I'm just- What, you're just going with the flow. You're just absolutely going with the flow. So you were saying that there was a lot of like shame and guilt for you when you first started to do this. And I I do want to bring you back now to more of that journey and kind of diving into like how you even got into the space. But how, how, when you started to be like, all right, I'm anonymous, I'm going to put myself out there. Was it because the feedback was so surprising that there was actually a real need that actually wasn't so scary that you you began to kind of own it in a different way? It's absolutely starts when complete strangers start to feel like your family. They are just supporting you or silently supporting you um, through comments, through DMs, saying thank you for saying what I couldn't say, or you gave me the courage to come out to my family and it's those things that give you the fuel, like, oh, now I have a purpose. Now yeah. I'm doing something that is not just changing my life, but other people's lives. And I, you know, I made a million dollars by the time I was 21. You start to just kind of burn out from success and you're like, I need something to feel good. That's yeah. not a drug. Yeah. <laughs> and changing other people's lives just by being myself was something that I completely wasn't familiar with. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're all well aware that you go on Instagram And you feel bad when you leave the app because you're just comparing yourself. But there was something about TikTok where I'd leave the app feeling like educated or Mm. there was some comedic relief and being able to kind of give this exaggerated version of someone I could never feel confident enough to be as a a younger person Mm -hmm. was something addictive, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, I know you talk about the hustle hustles in the blood. So obviously like 
take us through like when when did this hustle journey begin? How did you move through the adult industry, webcam? Like what was that process for you? Was it tough to go into? Was it about the money? Like where were you at? Well, I think how and sorry about my dogs there if you can hear them crying a little Mm-mm. bit. I hope it's not too bad. <laughs> um I think a lot of our hustle derives from our childhood mm-hmm. and the financial insecurity our parents had and what like it's like how old were you when you got your first job? Did you manage your money well? And I came from a family where my dad left, kind of took everything and my mom went back to school. She was working nights as a nurse. She was working in the day. At one point she had three jobs. Like I never really saw her. So that was my normal. So by the time I was 14, I got my worker's permit, worked at Smoothie King 40 hours a week, picked up shifts at a tanning salon with a fake ID. I was selling weed at that point. Mm -hmm. I was so consumed with trying to take the weight off my mom as well. And I thought I'm never going to fucking rely on a man. Like I want to be stacked by the time I'm 18. So obviously when I got my DUI, when I was 17, I didn't have a car, my stripper friend, um, we kind of teamed up and started stripping together. Mm -hmm. So that kind of money was a whole new world. And it was, it was my normal world. I was like, okay, here we go. Let's Mm -hmm. saddle up. Mm -hmm. So having just that hustle mentality at a really young age just has always been there. Mm -hmm. And when you start getting in that fast money lifestyle, it gets a little riskier and a little, um, it was just very secretive. Like, obviously I was underage. I couldn't tell people. I was, I didn't want to lose my job there. We were kind of traveling to different cities to stay low key, but, um, I started like selling my dancer outfits online or to customers I was webcamming with. And that was again, another window, like $50 for a pair of socks that eventually I'm going to throw away. I was like, I could buy a pair of socks and wear one every week. And that's a whole nother income stream. Mm -hmm. So I just, I mean, I'm like one of those, what are those things that keep rolling and getting bigger? Totally. (laughs) Like, so was sexuality for you already part of your DNA? So that when you saw stripping and your webcam work that it was already like, this is already my vibe you know, ultimately, or was this like, I'm a sexy, beautiful woman and why not? Well, that's a great question as well. I think when I was 16 going into clubs, like promoting nightclubs and stuff Mm -hmm. with my friends in college, I could see the attention and how much they were gaining based off of their looks. And I'm like, okay, I need to harness the in because a lot of girls do that for free. And I just put a price tag on everything. However, I think my lack of sexual education really turned me into someone that was very self-explorative at a very fast rate. So I was involved with a lot of relationships that were extremely toxic because I didn't know otherwise. And then you have the daddy issues aspect where like, oh, it feels really great with older man giving me attention. Mm -hmm. So I think being in the strip club, it was, it's different. Cause it's not like in real life where a guy's giving you attention and it feels good and you're exploring, but when you're in the strip club, you're getting compensated for it. Yeah. And you can go through like 20 guys in one night and it becomes this like game. That's really mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. So I think it, I don't like, I don't even know if, if, if that was a good or bad thing for my mental health, because it kind of affected my relationships down the road, right? Because you don't want to put a price tag on things that are meaningful and, yeah. you know, yeah. real, did, did it affect like your dating and, and like how with boyfriends and like the conversations like that was like a whole new process of being like, okay. Or was it more secretive at that point? Is that why it was affecting your mental health is because there was also a part of you that was like, got to keep this under wraps still. Yeah. I didn't even really have time to date because you'd be sleeping all day and working all night, but I, I really am so proud that I was so empowered at that time that when guys would be in my DMS or on Facebook, it was like, no, I don't have fucking time for you. Like wait in line, do a, I need a permission slip. Like I just, it was really like, thanks, but no thanks. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of experimenting with women as well. I just Mm -hmm. felt a lot safer in that aspect too. And I ended up meeting my partner at the strip club when I was 18, who I've been with for almost 10 years. So that's kind of a whole nother thing where Mm -hmm. 
I was just happy from the gate that he was supportive of what I did because yeah. ultimately that's what sex workers run into is having a partner that's kind of not okay with their partner being sexual at work, even though it is a fucking job. Totally. Totally. So, okay. I I'm, there's so many questions and things that I want to go to, but I think that the thing that I'm hearing too, that I want to talk to you about is I imagine that, okay. What I want to say is you are very good about like, you, you just be like, whatever these hoes slots, like really <laughs> a rec, a real reclamation of that word and of your sexual power. And, you know, did that take time? And when people still come at you, I feel like there's a way of being like, don't come at me. Like I'm going to own this for myself. So you don't, you can't come at me by being like, oh my God, what a slut be like. And right. There's like an empowerment exactly. with that. Does it still affect you though? When people are coming at you, cause it just, they can't understand it within their framework, whatever their own conditioning. And, and you know, after these years, I, I agree with what you said. I think projection is a real thing. So instead of getting spicy and getting upset about it, my, the empathy in me is more like who hurt you to treat women that way? Like yeah. if your sister did what I did, would you like unfamily member her? Like, it just doesn't make sense. So now it's, it's more white noise. I think when I was younger, I had such like passion and energy into what I was doing. It was very hurtful. Like I need to, I need to change their mind. But at the end of the day, at least I'm someone on their feed that's helping them raise questions as to yeah. why they feel this way. And it's like, why are you so mad? Like I'm not hurting anyone, you know? And again, it's, it's a lot of it's conditioning, either their parents mm. said it was wrong. Their religion said it was wrong. Um, you know, maybe they just have a a hatred towards women based on denial. And I'm just a reminder of what they can't have. And yeah. I can be okay with that. Yeah. You know, I, I can, I can be the reminder for them. I don't mind, but it, it definitely, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I don't read the comments. It doesn't hurt me because I get a lot of fuel from the feedback I have, but it's nice when you're, when your followers jump in and kind yes, of attack them for totally. you. But slut is in any word that could have been derogatory in the past. It's really just taking it back and putting our power in it instead mm -hmm. of having them put their nasty power in it. It's like, yeah, call me a slut. I'm a big slut. You know how <laughs> yeah. I am? And they're like, yeah. damn it. I know. I really wish I could have you. Like you have no idea. <laughs> totally. Totally. I think it, a lot of it, like I'm sure if women, it, when it's women that come at you, I think there's probably, there's like this deep, it's like something that they just feel like they couldn't ever do. And there's oh, like an anger story. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine women could be pretty nasty. Just as, I feel just a as lot men more in a sympathetic in yeah. that aspect too. Even especially the ones that are like, I love what you do, but my husband would never be down for it. And I'm like, look, I could create a whole course on how to talk to someone about being involved in a job and how to separate this like sexual aspect because it's it's just like going on stage like if you're married to an actor that had to kiss another woman in a movie like it's just all a facade mm -hmm. and at the end of the day trust is obviously everything and yeah. also wanting to respect your partner's point of view but I think even if you were like in an open relationship like you would have hard yeses and hard no's and boundaries and the only way you can learn is if you jump in feet first and find out and it might even raise some questions of the relationship that should have been raised in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, totally. I love that you are also like with your book, really helping women with their side hustles. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, yeah, like, so part of your, part of your business is, is being able to sell weird things, body things on that. I'll let you kind of describe them, but, <laughs> but you know, I think we've all like feet, we've always heard like, oh yeah, there's like foot fetishes and things. And I'm pretty sure I still want to sell my feet picks. I was like, I think I got cute feet that people would like, but anyway, um, there, I feel like there's a few things that we know, but like, how are you helping to empower women to be like, okay, if you want to get into this space and beautiful woman, you want to do it, you want to do it safely and correctly. What would you say to them? I would say, first of all, it doesn't matter 
what shape, size, race, age you are. I think that's the first roadblock as to why people don't like, I get a lot of comments like, oh, it's because you're pretty. And I'm like, but I'm making most of my money on burping in a bag or crushing eggs with my biceps where I'm not wearing (laughs) makeup or anything. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, they're pretty can be found on Pornhub for free. Like it's these weird niche fetishes that there aren't a lot of creators Um, capitalizing on. Mm -hmm. So my take is let's find what makes you weird. Let's find what makes you stand out. Even if it's your stretch marks or the fact that you're pregnant, like people, women are selling their breast milk. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so many things. So finding what makes you unique and just totally exaggerating it up, capitalizing on it. And that those were two of the things like, A, I burp a lot. I think I have like a health problem. I burp so much. (laughs) And I realized there's this huge burp niche community and I don't even have to take my clothes off for it. I mean, these Uh customs guys are telling me what to eat, you know, how to, what faces I should make when I burp and everything has a price tag on it. Or the fact that when I was younger, I had a really athletic body, but I was five feet tall with a giant chest and I remember beating everyone in third grade at arm wrestling, like the whole fucking grade. And Mm -hmm. I never, I was always reminded of it, how manly and, you know, people just said I was a man and stuff. And that really hurt because you're Mm -hmm. like a little girl and you're wanting to be beautiful. And now I'm doing like flexing shows and stuff. So I found when I tried to jump in this scene as just like the tattooed blonde bimbo style, I wasn't making as much money as when I dug deeper and Mm -hmm. found something that actually brought me joy and empowered all the things I used to be bullied for. So that's step one. And then the rest of my courses and book is really, like you mentioned, how to start safely to avoid so many scary things that the internet can do to you, like safety, stalkers, blackmail, Mm -hmm. you know, how to set up these profiles correctly, just like time wasters to avoid. Yeah. Um, and again, it can go into what industry you want to get in and it doesn't even have to be weird things or sex work. I think in general, starting a business, like a clothing line, you want to provide something that isn't out there before. So yeah. everything relates in e-commerce and a lot of my e-commerce, like with Shopify and my square businesses relate so much to the sex work as yeah. well, because yeah. at the end of the day, it's just sales. Right, right, right. And so I have a Quick question. So when they, when you are on these sites, and I won't have you say it because, y'all, she's got an ebook that you can go and get all the places that you can go if this is actually interesting for you and you want to maybe pursue it yourself. But when you are on these sites, are they, are you plugging into like when you say a community? So it's like okay, community that's into burps. Is it actually showing you a community into in in that? Like, is there like a feed, and are people telling you like what they want to see, or do you? Um, like, how do they find you? And you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess the, uh, I'm that's a, just curious that's about the mechanics. <laughs> so uh, the big comment I get as well is like, what website do I start on? And I charge, I think it's $9.99. You get 21 websites and people are like, oh, she's gatekeeping and stuff. And I'm like, y'all, it took me 10 years yeah, to yeah, find yeah, totally. these like black market websites. They are not just accessible on Google at all. They're yeah. very like MySpace style, kind of hard to navigate. Like some guy in Singapore is probably running it. Um, So each (laughs) one is different. Some of them are auction sites, but like you said about finding that niche, webcam modeling sites are a great way to kind of target that. So if you go on Mm myfreecams.com, you can basically search any hashtag. So on my profile, the burping, the flexing, tattoos, Mm -hmm. short, blonde, all these tags Mm -hmm. are going to be on my profile so that the appropriate customers can be funneled into my room. And then webcam services are a great way to funnel then to your OnlyFans or to doing direct sales like mm-hmm. socks, panties, mm-hmm. spit, earwax, all the fun stuff I do. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Isn't that a trip, you guys, like listening to this? I was, when I, I saw your video, or I'm going to post it actually and put the little video that you did of like, the weird things, you know what I'm talking about? The reel that you did. It's like, uh, it's like a one minute reel about you talking about the weird things you saw on the internet. So it was crazy. It was the first time a production company actually came to my house. It to was talk really about well this. produced. Okay. So that was a production company. Cause I was like, <laughs> yes. this is well done. And everybody needs to see this. Cause I saw it. I was like, um, of course I need you on the podcast, but, but of course, <laughs> well, <laughs> absolutely. And again, yes. A lot of those news outlets are, it's way more viral and shock value to talk about like earwax, body hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sold my trash, like the, <laughs> the container on my vacuum. 
because the thing is with like goddess worship and submissive play and being extremely dominating to these guys that just want to be consumed by you, they want to ingest very nasty things and they want you to watch and they want your reaction and they will pay you for it. So if, if you have a brave face and it doesn't bother you, like it's one of the easiest things you could ever do once you get to capturing the customer, like mm-hmm. that's a long road. Let's not call that too easy. Yeah. But that's, that series has just gone off on TikTok, Snapchat, everything. Cause people are, people are really grossed out that a, a pretty girl could be like wiping herself and selling that musty wipe. And I'm like, what's the fucking problem? Somebody <laughs> yeah. wants it. Mm-hmm. I have it. It's not hurting you. Mm-hmm. They literally are, um, consenting to do this safely. This is like a safe outlet that I'm providing their sexual expression, which they're probably like having a lot of issues because they don't tell all their friends about this. And I'm basically like a therapist for them because I'm encouraging, mm-hmm. you know, pleasure out of this. Yeah. And it's a beneficial situation. Yeah. It, it strikes me as like when you were talking about your own like shame and like wanting to keep this to yourself, like I, you can see it you're, you're almost like you're bringing a, a healing loop to yourself by also not um, shaming others who want mm. these weird things that you're not like, oh God, that's so weird. Like how, you know, and by allowing somebody to not feel shamed for whatever the weird kinks and things that they like, that I feel like what that, that healing is then in you, you pull it into yourself as well. And I think that's so and beautiful. I love that it's become like a pattern to say like, Hey, don't yuck someone's yum. Like your brother is probably watching stepsister porn and right. you're not going to raise a big hoot about it. Mm-hmm. And half the people think that I'm selling my hair and spit and people are going to be doing witchcraft and like cloning me. I'm like, you know how much it costs to fucking clone somebody? Like <laughs> yeah, these totally. guys don't have that much money. <laughs> yeah. 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 And secondly, like I see them sprinkling my toenails on their avocado toast. Like oh, I see them eating it. Oh they are my not... God. Dead. <laughs> I was like, they're not doing witchcraft. Like, come on guys. It... Like just swallow that fucking hard pill oh man oh man (laughs) it's just you know what it is like we're so fucking wonderfully weird like human beings we are a trip and a half and if this conversation isn't illuminating for that and also to show like okay whatever your like kink is is probably it's probably not that much there's there is something out there for everyone to the point you'd be like okay that's not for me and so it wouldn't it be nice if the whole world could just own like whatever weird shit that you're into and to just like be okay with it and not like God, hide it there down. There wouldn't be any war if I know. we all were just comfortable with ourselves. I mean, really our, our brains are wired, like things make us feel good and then we suppress them and then it comes out as anger yep. and hurt towards other people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. I mean, it took me a good five years to really figure out if I wanted to share this with my family. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I was like, mom, I'm paying my bills. Like I'm able to help you. I'm not hurting anyone. It's like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And it, I'm sure she doesn't want details or anything, but I think also if I was doing like porn on Pornhub with other people, I think that might hurt her differently than yeah. this. And I know that's yeah. a spectrum of sex work as well, but there there's so many levels of it. But yeah. at the end of the day, unconditional love is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it's taught me like, A, I can make my own family. And if someone's going to resent me for this, like, then why the fuck are they on my team? Like, that's my fault. If I'm going to keep them in my life, like I'm holding myself accountable for surrounding myself with people who fucking love me with no judgment because I'm doing the same. Yeah. That's amazing. I want to ask about your family too. And, and how, how they, and I think that's great. You know, I think your mom's going to just say as, as long as you're safe, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think at the end of the day, parents really just want their your your safety. And especially the kind of work you're doing, you're not in you're not in a room with someone. So it's actually if mm-hmm. you're on the spectrum of sex work, you're in the definitely a much safer lane, at least. I know you were saying stalkers and things, which I yeah. definitely get. But at least it's not, you know, obviously you could be in a room with someone having sex and then you're gonna be a lot more exposed. But unconditional love is a real thing and and having a partner for ten years on this journey with you, good, good on him. I mean, obviously soulmates in a lot of ways to allow you to really fully express yourself in a way that I don't think many men could handle. 
in a lot of ways. It'd be like, especially being a strong, confident, successful, independent woman, like thank fucking God. And it's funny because people around me will be like, Oh, I want a relationship. Like you guys did it. I'm like, this isn't normal. Like Mm -hmm. we are supporters of each other. We are partners, no matter what at the end of the day, like sex and stuff, that's just an expression of our love. But the core of our relationship is support. Cause I need a whole fucking lot of it to yeah. deal with the shit I do. Yeah. And for him, like we have this thing we say, like, do you want comfort or solution? Mm-hmm. And when we're having these conversations, most of the time I just want comfort. And I think a lot of relationships struggle with communication because the other partner will be aggressively like trying to give them the solution to their problem. But at the end of the day, we all just want a listener and sometimes being listeners is hard and it has to be practiced, mm-hmm. but you know, learning things I've learned in therapy and like applying them to my relationship and knowing it's always going to need work. It's just, it's not easy. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not easy living with me. (laughs) I I think that's a good one for people to, I I love the, do you want comfort or a solution? And, and starting there as like a question uh, is such a, it's, that's just like a great tip actually, I think for anybody in life, because, uh, and I see this a lot, like men, tend to like to fix and women are usually mm-hmm. a little bit better with just like the comfort aspect. Mm-hmm. And when, when you are the one in the listening seat and, but it, it's, but even so it's like, do you want me to say, fuck them, you deserve better, all this stuff. Or do you just want me to hug you and say, I know it hurts and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and that it could be all you need before it like transcribes into this argument that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But honestly, even with your friends just saying, Hey, do you have 10 minutes? I'd like to unload some things that happened to me, like asking permission yes. to kind of grieve and open up because people need to carve space to have that emotional capacity to digest what you're about to say, especially me. Yeah. So I've been, it's, it's funny. We, me and my friends joke about it. We call each other like, may I have permission to trauma dump on you today? I'm like, yes, tell me the tea. Yeah, no, but I think, again, great. That's just being, it comes back to self-awareness and also being respectful of of the people that you love around you because that's, again, a lot of people just uh, operate, I think, in the world very unconsciously. And so when yes. you've got a friend that's always dumping on you or always pulling energy or what a family member, whatever, oftentimes it's just because it, it's unawareness. It's not because they're a bad person. They just don't know. You don't know until yeah. you know, and then you realize like, oh, I realize like, I don't know where this person's at. And I also want to be respectful of their time. And also, I like you said, they're prepared to, they have to shift now to be mm-hmm. ready to hear you. And you don't, the last thing you want to do is like talk about something that has been so deeply painful and they're like tapping away on an email. You're like, all right. <laughs> this right. Is, Well, you know, having dealt with, you know, some narcissists this year, I've really realized and a lot of my healing journey right now is focusing on setting boundaries and not maintaining relationships that I feel so drained by and not feeling bad for saying no. Mm -hmm. And because I have so much, you know, empowerment to give people and resources, I get a bucket load of people that are like, Hey, can I have this? Or can I pick your brain or yada, yada, yada. And I've if I don't project, protect my energy, I won't have any left to fucking give. Yeah, totally. So it's been extremely hard having to say no to people that I love, but saying like, I, I, I have to be, it almost feels selfish, but it's you have to be, yeah, you have to be a little bit. What's up everyone. It's your host Kat with a quick announcement. If you have been listening to trip on this and have been wishing that you could tell your story on this show, wish no further. I'm going to be adding four new bonus style episodes to trip on this featuring your stories. If you're interested in coming on, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Once it posts, take a screenshot and email it to me with how psychedelics have changed your life. What I love about this is not only does it help me with discoverability and helping others find the show, but it also gives me a chance to connect with you all directly. So if you're interested, I will put more information in the writing of this episode. And with that, back to the show. Uh, one more question before we jump into your magic mushrooms. Of yeah. course, you're not tripping on this. Uh, but before we go into that, I just have one more question around what you would recommend for women around asking for what they're worth money-wise. I really, when I was listening to you and like hustling this, I really... Um, admired your way of being able to talk about money and ask for what you want and what you feel you deserve and, uh, and having no problem about it, you know? And I think a lot of women, including myself, I'm bringing, I'll just put this on myself is, 
you know, in the past with corporate jobs, like getting very uncomfortable, especially if I'm asking for a big number or a bigger number in my mind, which is probably still less than my male colleague. But I'm, but it's so, uh, I get squirmy around it. And I think mm-hmm. I'm not alone in that. And it's a very female thing. Do you have any tips, any recommendations, any reminders maybe for us to just remember our power when we are asking for what we want? That's a great question. I, I totally agree. As a woman, we definitely will settle like my, my Skype shows. I do my live, um, one-on-one like sexual kind of sessions. Mm -hmm. They're a hundred dollars for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I get nine out of 10 guys that are like, that's too much. And I tell myself like my lowest point is 75 or if I'm hurting today, maybe I'll do 50, but you already have to have what your bottom line is in your head and Mm -hmm. always start double than that. Mm -hmm. So having that organized already, it's not going to hurt as bad, but it's, you can politely and professionally say like, I completely understand, you know, I'm one of a kind, you're not going to get this with any other girl. I wish you the best and move on because you want to save that time for your big spenders. Like even with my e-commerce stores, people who buy a five or $10 product, they're going to be the ones raging at customer service or making a return. If something is scratched, it's my people who buy a hundred and $200 orders that don't say a word, like find a high quality client, a high quality customer, unless the name of the game is like stacking up numbers at a, at a lower scale. But I pulled up my Pinterest board. I have like four stupid little oh, yeah, mantras I no, want to no, share with yeah, you. Please. Um, so one is an attitude of whatever it takes is impossible to stop. So mm. my fuel is when people tell me no. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, like I said before, like pave your own way. If you are at a roadblock, do some research, ask, phone a friend. There's, if there's a will, there is a fucking way. Totally. There always is. Mm-hmm. Um, sit with winners. The conversation will be different. Yep. So surround yourself with successful people. Sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, and then another one I have is the cost of success is late nights, early mornings, very few friends being misunderstood, feeling overwhelmed, questioning your sanity, but being your own cheerleader. So I think a lot of us get burnout at this, you know, dangling carrot we're chasing and we get so sad and depressed in the aloneness of entrepreneurship but that is the ingredients in the pot of success. It's losing your social life. Sometimes it's the burnout. It's questioning yourself and your mental health, but having to dig deep down wherever you can and pull out that power of yours because you're the fucking CEO of your life. Mm -hmm. So hire, fire, promote accordingly, and it will come. It always Mm -hmm. will. Like you a lot of it is self-talk mantras and going to bed and just saying tomorrow's going to be a great day. Even if you don't believe it. Oh no, I agree. No, really (laughs) like setting it up. And like, if you can get up in the morning and like, even when you're a little bit tired, I have this joke with my dad where always he had started, he was like, he had hurt himself and he was just getting all down about it. He came out one time I was like staying here and, uh, and he, he came out, I was like, I'm going to have a terrific attitude. And it became- I am pain-free. Yeah. And it just became like this joke. So like every time I would see them, I would like come through the door and be like, I have a terrific attitude. And the thing is, is it actually carried. I would, for some reason it got stuck in my head, obviously. And so I'd wake up and be like, I'm going to have a terrific attitude today. And it's crazy the way that it really colored everything. Fake it, it till colored you colored every, totally, totally. It's but- like- Yeah. But you were talking about, you know, especially with women asking like for raises and for money. And before we started recording, we were saying like, sometimes bad things are actually beautiful blessings in disguise. Mm -hmm. And I recently had Moldavite in my life last year, which is a rock or a a tectite. Some people call it a crystal that kind of fucking rocks your world. It actually brings a lot of endings and change at a Mm -hmm. drastic speed. So I was going through like falling in debt, like losing my warehouse, like narcissistic employees and con artists coming in my life, like things that felt like a fucking movie in the matter of six months. And I was at, I was at my wits end. I was ready to just fucking end it all. And then now that I'm on the other side of it, Mm -hmm. realizing like, wow, the universe was like shedding really, really bad things and people for me. Mm -hmm. So if you're at this job and you keep getting told no, like if, if it's not the job for you, that's okay. If you have to struggle for the next three months until you find something 10 times better, you've got to trust 
in yourself because you're just so you have so much energy in you like mm-hmm. you can literally take whatever you want is yours and to yeah. trust yourself like fear or what is it um fear um something favors the bold like, oh yeah it's a uh, uh, um nature favors the bold <laughs> Yeah, like just getting in tune with that fear mm-hmm. and knowing how like, holy shit, if you just gracefully lean into it, there's so much power on the other side. Like yeah. fear, is, fear itself is worse than the worst thing actually happening. Oh, my God, a hundred percent. It never, like if you ever have like, the talk, like a talk that you need to have and like the angst of before the talk and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And then finally you like have to bite the bullet and like have some uncomfortable discussion and then it's done and you're like, eh, it was actually not as bad as I thought. Like it really, the the story, the fear of the unknown of what it could be is so much more scary and we get stuck there. And that's the thing I think that you're, you're, you're mentioning is like leaning into the fear and I, you know, in many ways, I wish sometimes the fear, I wish it would be, I wish I wouldn't have to feel it because the fear uh, doesn't feel good, right? We get scared and like nervous and all these different things and it's uncomfortable and just getting uncomfortable is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, just- and, and becoming more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And there's something like, I feel like a lot of successful people have had a trauma that fuels them. For mm-hmm. me, like my dad leaving gave me the sense of, I need to prove someone wrong for that next 10 years of adolescence. Mm-hmm. So harnessing your pain into your power is mm-hmm. one of the best te- techniques to be successful. Otherwise it will just decapitate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but I know what you Something mean. Like that. You can't, it you can't assume you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> incapacitate maybe we can go with that yes I have the big words in my brain and I think the microdosing does that to me it's like ready to come out and then my mouth is like (laughs) totally what a perfect segue to talk about your mushroom journey now so I know you've been recently on your magic mushroom journey you were on you were taking some prescription meds that you're no longer I don't know if you still are that you were Mm -hmm. no longer taking what where were you at mentally before the psychedelics and then how did it all go well, burnout, burnout, burnout. Mm-hmm. You reach the end. Like I said before, I, I felt like I got to the top of my ladder, the top of the totem pole. And I'm like, all this money, all these things, they're not making me happy because I am, it's 2 a.m. and I'm on my laptop doing customer service. More money, more problems. Fulfilled. Oh, more <laughs> pressure, more weight, more yeah. responsibility, bigger bills. Like I, I can't name one person who's like, I'm so happy having all this money. I mean, yeah. that's fucking bullshit. It's people money doesn't only change you, but it changes the people around you. Mm. So having people that you trust and loved your whole life now just take, take, taking. And you're like, when, when are you going to pick up the tab? Like Mm -hmm. it becomes so uncomfortable to go out to eat because everyone's relying on you to just cover everything. And anyways, so I having the lack of help because all the help I previously had was complete shit. You know, no one's ever going to run your business like you do. Mm -hmm. And I just really, I remember going to bed and the moment was when I, every time I went to bed, I was like, I hope I don't wake up. I, the escape and the blackness was the best thing about my life. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my mom about it and, you know, I've been in therapy in and out my life and I just found a therapist again. I was like, okay, I think I I really don't want to, if I end it, that'll be great for me, but it won't be great for everyone around me. Yeah. So I went to therapy in the first session, she was like, you need to see a psychiatrist. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And this is where it got weird because psychiatrists are very expensive. And that's a whole mm-hmm. nother story, how the system just doesn't favor mental health. But I went in there, I gave her a, I think the appointment was like 15 minutes. I just gave her a little synopsis and she's like, all right, we're going to start with Lexapro this many milligrams, come mm-hmm. back in a month, see how it feels. And at the time I was like, great, I have a fix it pill. Um, looking back, I'm like, I wish it was a little more thorough Mm. in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, but taking that first pill the next day, I felt like I was on MDMA, like everything was colorful. I thought I was tripping. And my therapist was like, if your bucket is just empty of serotonin, taking an antidepressant is going to go. Okay. And I was like, great. This feels great. I Mm -hmm. love antidepressants. I'm going to tell everyone to get on medication if you're scared. Yep. So I was looking at it as like, I'm so happy that I'm trying something and I'm going to share this. And at the time it was really great until that feeling faded away. 
And then I started having side effects of like, I couldn't sleep. So she gave me Seroquel. And now all of a sudden, like it's taking me two hours to wake up because this medicine is like bogging me down. Mm -hmm. And then I get the side effect of being really anger or excuse me, really angry. And I remember like having an argument with my partner and I'd have to go to the car and do one of those like Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of screams, like shaking the steering wheel, like a few times a week just to get that out. And that's not me. Yeah. So she put me on Lamictal, which is an anti-bipolar to kind of mix it in with that side effect. So now I'm on like three medications. Oh my God. She's just giving you cocktail after cocktail here. Yeah. But at the time, this is over a span of like two years. So okay. we're kind of like doing it slowly and adjusting, mm-hmm. but I'm having trouble driving. Like my vision's kind of slurry. Uh-huh. Um, I remember yeah. at work, people are like, I reminded you about this. I reminded you about this. And I'm like, fuck, like I that part of me is starting to like wean away. Yeah. So now <clears throat> where two years later, I start taking Adderall in the day, not prescribed. And mm. I, I got my mojo back. I'm back in the warehouse making shit happen. Mm-hmm. But now I'm crashing so hard when I get home, I start drinking again. Right. So now I'm on four medications. I'm drinking. No, I, I like fucking vodka on ice. Mm-hmm. I'm not like. <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to have like a fluffy drink. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so now I'm back to that escape mentality. And funny enough, a mutual friend had some mushrooms and I had never tried them. And I was like, oh, I just want to have some to keep in the house until the appropriate time comes. Mm -hmm. And then I plan a trip for my partner and I, we do like this cool little road trip down the East coast. We stay in RVs and houseboats and just like a cheap, but fun kind of trip. Mm -hmm. And I said, this might be the time. And I'm taking my meds through the trip, but it wasn't till the last place where we go to this houseboat. And I'm like having this anxiety, like, should I be taking my medication the same day I take the psilocybin? Like, I don't know what to do. And I'm of course, you know, you can't just go on the internet and ask. There's so many different answers for that, but I went with, I'm going to take what's always in my body so that my body doesn't react too strangely. Yep. Um, so I did about a gram of magic mushrooms when the sunset was going down and I got like some coloring books and I put on a bikini and like sat outside of the houseboat. And I, for some reason, I assumed that it would be like LSD. I thought everything was going to be very trippy Mm -hmm. and all that was happening is that I was just feeling really good. Right. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take more. Yeah. (laughs) So I take some more and it wasn't till like eight or nine o'clock, you know, the, the sunset's gone. That's when things kind of started turning a little more movie and groovy, Yeah, but we end up having sex and it was holy shit. I'm like, now I know how to have sex with you. Now I know it really, really, really feels good. And every little moment of that night at like 10 minutes would feel like an hour, but every chapter I just, I felt, I remember looking in the mirror and had my bikini on and I was like, you are everything. You are God. Like what, (laughs) what are you doing? Taking all this stuff, girl. It was like the little girl inside of me was screaming and she was like, look how beautiful you are. (laughs) And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I like took my meds and I threw them in the toilet and I was like, I, I almost manifested this moment. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to take meds my whole life, but I was so scared to take get off of them. And it mm-hmm. was just, that was the moment. And then the next day, the, um, um, what's it called? I guess almost the addict in me was like, I'm going to keep taking mushrooms because I'm not taking anything else. So I kind of self microdosed mm-hmm. until now I'm in a place where I, I have a sustainable source and they're actually dosed out correctly. Yeah. But I definitely needed that week of like weaning off the medication. The, the mushrooms definitely helped, but I didn't even do research before. It wasn't until I watched the, there's a documentary on Netflix, fantastical fungi that Mm -hmm. goes into the brain work of that. So I'm like, Ooh, now I'm on a very natural form of healing to help with my PTSD of like being raped or my childhood trauma. Um, just everything with the, like, even at work now with the burnout, the mushrooms are this little brain I put inside of me and they're like, enough is enough for today. Go do self care because we care about all of your things in your body corresponding correctly. Mm -hmm. And it's, 
it's like having a little assistant in me. Yeah, <laughs> I love magical. that. I love a magical assistant. Well, because that's what I feel like uh, oh. psychedelics do, especially mushrooms, is it it heals us holistically as opposed to treating a symptom. And I think that's the thing that I'm really excited about with psychedelics and mental health is that um, it's more than, it is going to bring you back to those traumatic moments and it's going to allow it allows us to relook at them differently, to stay a different story around them, to, and, and the idea of like you were saying, like, you're done for today, self-care. Like, that's something, because, because hustle, just that idea of hustle is very baked into the culture. And you, you could sleep when you die. Okay. Sleep is actually amazing and it's good for you and, it's, and you actually perform better when you're well slept you know what I mean like when you mm -hmm. when you've had the rest and I think it's gonna be such an amazing tool and it sounds like it already has for you to bring balance to life that you can actually that you can probably make more money being more relaxed and more yeah you know what I mean like you sleeping more and getting more exercise and like not and like being like I'm not looking after my at work after 7 p.m or something like after that anything can wait the mind can always tell you it can't wait, mm -hmm. but everything can actually usually, usually, you know, there's like, the well, even things. with, um, like overindulging, what's, it was very strange. I remember when I was started microdosing, I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to have a glass of wine. And I remember after just one, it was like almost too much. Yeah. It was very strange. And even with eating, I, I know it kind of affects your stomach kind of like caffeine does. Cause it's a, um, the word a stimulant mm -hmm. and like always have to poop the day I mm -hmm. microdose and it's yeah, a funny yeah. looking poop but <laughs> um like I'd, I'd only crave like crackers or cheese or like very basic items or things mm -hmm. that can kind of coat my stomach so I found myself like really not overeating at night over drinking it, it I'm not sure what it does in the brain to really make me say like as far as portioning like you good you good girl well what's interesting about what you're saying is that in both cases so there's a new study that just came out where they're seeing that psilocybin drastically reduces excessive alcoholism 87 percent of the people that were in the uh so it was like a, a double blind right so like half were getting it half weren't so the people that were in that got the psilocybin 87% of people no longer drink. And I'm not talking like light drinkers, like yeah. alcoholic, excessive drinking. And that only a quarter or it was like three quarters of the people stopped altogether. Or sorry, half, half of the people in this thing had completely cold turkey stopped drinking. And so there is something going on with the brain. It's, it's resetting neuroplasticity. You know, I, they're still understanding why, but they're understanding that it is. And also the same thing with, uh, well, they're Eating. looking at it for obesity, but they're looking at it for basically food addiction. So mm -hmm. when we, when you're talking about portion control, I, this is always like, once I have a cookie, I want, I, it's hard for me to like not want more. Like there's, I just have to like finally put it away. But like right. the addictive aspect of eating is still definitely there. I like to snack and I like to do those things. And they're looking at psilocybin for that as well. That resets, it's resetting something in the neural, the, the pathways, the way that our brains are firing. And so uh, many people actually, the more that they're working with psychedelics are drinking less. Yeah. It's, t it's taken away the sweet tooth entirely. It's just bizarre. Wow. Like you said, it's reset something. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, you are in the driver's seat, you are focused on problem to problem, but with the mushrooms, all of a sudden you're watching the car on the mountain Ridge. So mm -hmm. at these meetings I'm having, I'm seeing my, you know, I'm for the first time in my life, like business planning and planning for the next quarter, the next year, because my brain is seeing an opportunity in something that can have effect mm -hmm. way further down the road than before, where I'm just like going from a rescue project to, to fixing up something. Yeah. Cause that happens every day as an I mean, entrepreneur. It will, it, so it the will whole continue day fixing things. It will continue to, even if you have a plan, but I bet, and I'll ask you like for your own nervous system, does it, does it help you to know that you are now like planned and like have at least something that you're going to knowing that it's got to be flexible knowing that things are going to change but like are you now seeing it because you're in planning and 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 looking ahead like how is it making you feel also besides your business well I'd say four weeks ago I was sitting at the bank because our our business could not 
produce enough with the weight of our warehouse rent. It was like $10,000 a month to be in this 15,000 square foot warehouse that I purchased two years ago during COVID when everything was scaling and yes, things changed. And I had to stop getting my own paycheck to really make sure everyone else could get paid. And it was all these different pain points that were a whole different type of stress. So once the microdosing kind of came into account, I remember sitting at the bank, I had wiped out my savings, my life savings, like my stocks, everything. I, I think it was like negative $5 finally when I could cover that last payroll we had before Damn. I sold my warehouse. But I remember like anyone sitting in this position would be having a full ass panic attack, yeah. like ready to just zoot it. And I was like, but I know I'm going to sell this warehouse and it will all come back to me like business as usual. This is just a, a, a little transition that is a little uncomfortable and that's exactly why. And you had integrity around it because you're like, you're making sure you're, you're zeroing out your bank to make sure everyone gets paid and all the things are like clean and done correctly so that you can start afresh. You don't, you know, instead of trying to like sneak out of it and skirt and whatever, mm -hmm. people get weird around things like that. And people would probably do, um, things they no normally wouldn't do if they were yeah. faced with, I'm going to have to zero out my bank account. Well, okay. Then you rationalize certain things that you have to do. And, I think uh, it also just points back to your courage and also knowing that you got it. The thing is like, once you know you got it, like you can always like, you're like, I know how to make money, period. So it's okay. That's the thing. When you're the tool, no one can take that away from you. Yeah. And I think a lot of us always forget about the assets we have and all of these other things that can gross income. Like I was even just selling some stuff on marketplace and I was even shocked at how big Facebook marketplace is a thing. I was like, oh, I don't yeah. need this amethyst table. I don't need this. <laughs> but I'm going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was very eye opening, <clears throat> and it built my relationship with my dad, who's an accountant. And he was, you know, about like 1031 exchanges and, you know, creating a real estate company after this and all these other opportunities that wouldn't have happened had this happened to the business. So now I'm able to sell this property and put it in a, a real estate company and use these funds to invest in more real estate and have another stream of income. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't plan on that. And yeah. even my realtor said like this sale, especially with commercial real estate being so high right now, she was like, this is a, a win that realtors dream of. And yeah. it was an accident for you. And I'm wow. like, I think but, the universe. Yeah, no, the universe, because you believe that it's going to work and it's going to come back. And it's, we were, we were talking before this started, right? Like again, about the trust of if you can, if you can really tell yourself, be like, okay, this looks scary right now, but I, but I believe that something better is coming. And I believe that like, I don't need to know how it's coming yet. And I'm just going to keep aligning to the fact that like, I'm exactly where I need to go. And my my destiny, my fate, where I'm going is inevitable. I will get there. In the mushrooms kind of unveil like uh, cabinets and drawers mm -hmm. of things in your mind that weren't there before. And a month prior, I was thinking about just renting space of the warehouse out. So that would have generated like, you know, it would have covered the rent and maybe made us another a thousand or 2000 a month. But I was like, big picture, like sell the fucking property. Yeah. Like, bankroll into a bigger opportunity and do it now before it's too late. So having access to those resources in my mind has been in just incredible. And, and like you said, um, there's a mantra I have, um, <clears throat> hold on, it's coming. It is, I trust that the universe will bring me everything I need at exactly the right time. I lean into good things. Good things are coming. Like there's also this technique you don't want to take too hard. You kind of have to go with that relaxed mm -hmm. energy because time is a sacred thing and you don't want to like beat down a door and then have to clean up the mess because you beat it down instead of just ringing the doorbell. A hundred percent. And the thing is, it's like, it's, it's trust again, because when you bang down the door, it's because you don't think that there's another avenue that it's coming and we get really we that like, intention. Yeah. And I feel like we hold on to opportunity or like if like an opportunity comes to us and it feels really close, then we want to like hold on to it so tightly. And like, what, what if this person goes away or like this? And it's like, even if scarcity it's like making, driven. scarcity, it's all about scarcity mindset. And it's like, instead of being like, I've got something to offer you do too. This is a really good mutual beneficial thing. And I'm not going to like 
I'm not going to like let it go. There's going to be, I'm going to meet you at the door, but like, it's not about that banging it down because the thing is sometimes it's not a door. It's a wall that we're banging on. And it's like the universe is like, if you just look right, just take a breath and like look over to the right. And like, there's an open door over there, you know, but we have to be able to pull out and zoom out. And I think that is what mushrooms do very well for us is it allows us to pull out and to look at our lives from the bigger picture. And I've said this on the podcast and I said to you earlier, when we look at our lives that has happened before, everything leads to something new, the next, an opportunity, a person, something you could have never saw coming. And I have to remind myself of this all the time when I get contracted in, oh, I don't know what's happening. I felt like things were moving, things were moving, and then now it feels like stuck again. And I'm like, well, Kat, just look back at the past. Look back at everything that has ever happened up until this point. Hasn't it always worked? And so it's, it's, it's how we show up for ourselves every day though, too. And it's like, it's not like you get it once. I mean, it's, a, it's that kind of meditation and like checking in and releasing and the doorbell yeah. as you will. It's well, I think traffic is a big trigger for a lot of us that, I mean, constantly, if you're a, an anxious person driving or an angry person, that shit will kill you. You have that, um, mm-hmm. What's that thing releasing when you're in fight or flight mode? Oh, cortisol. If if it's releasing a lot, it actually will fucking hurt your body over time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like people who are driving, like they're late to something or they miss a light or miss a turn. I'm always like that prevented you from an accident or that's going to push you to meet the right person. Like you said. So having Mm -hmm. that perspective of what is the good in this instead of pushing through. Yeah. Easier said than done, but it is kind of a life saver because practice. Yeah. It's practice (laughs) because like life is life is always it's a challenge you know it could be very and it could be so fucking fun and beautiful like we we and it's like how to like not hook to either too much because Mm -hmm. what goes up must come down and what goes down must go up and it's just a cycle and it's like getting very comfy with the fact that like we're going to be high and then we're going to be low and then we're going to be high and then if we can kind of get hopefully the pendulum doesn't start to swing as hard when you can kind of trust and just go like Mm. okay i don't need to go into like major fear and despair because I'm now learning that like it's going to come up and also not holding on to those goods so hard like oh god please I feel so good I never want to go away I was like I know I get it but then it's also like, well that's the worst when you're actually in a peaceful happy moment you can't even fucking be peaceful that's another trauma response yeah, totally totally <laughs> but at my next goal with the mushrooms is definitely I want to start learning about the strains and kind of seeing which strain works the best for me I know that's like a whole nother thing to learn about but that's gonna be it's it's good for like self-exploration and and strains definitely are different for everyone and I've got like they they definitely what what behaves one way for someone is not Mm -hmm. the same for another and it really does come back down to exploration and the cool thing is like it's very easy to you could grow mushrooms in almost every uh state legally and um you can get spores very easily like legally on the internet you can't it's for research purposes only Mm -hmm. But you can grow them and you can get them. And so it also like opens up an avenue of, of trying different things. And I'm, yeah, it's all about That's experience. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was, um, and aren't there some good legal things happening in Canada? I believe it can oh, be yeah. dispensed there. It's actually, there's, I just read an article right before our, our, we got on today that there's a place called Shroomery. It's in Toronto. It's the first magic mushroom storefront and it's wow. not even legal in Toronto, which is even more bizarre. I have to, I only got the, the, like the headline and Mm -hmm. like read a little bit of it, but basically I don't know how they're doing it, but I think it must be decriminalized obviously, Mm -hmm. but it's not legalized. And yet this store like opened up a mushroom (laughs) shop and, and I know in Vancouver they have them too. And there's a lot around the different states. Decriminalization is happening a lot. And then in other states, legalization, you know, in Colorado, there's, um, there's a legalization bill. Uh, once on you ballot. start talking to, and I've realized once I've started sharing this, then I start realizing how many people are aware and might know someone who knows someone. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. It's yeah. really just kind of asking and researching. Totally. And- totally. Anna, this has been such a fun conversation with you. What is new? What's, what's coming up? Is there anything you want to talk about? Anything on the mothership, anything that <sighs> with your podcast, tell us about where people can connect with you. 
So you can check out my show, the Slutrepreneur podcast. If you're bad at spelling, just check out professionalgoddess.com. That's where you'll find my merch, my shows, my YouTube channel, my book, all the resources in the world to find out more about me or how to elevate your hustle journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm also on TikTok, Rebecca Blue with two Ks. That's also my OnlyFans name if you want to see what I look like underneath. Mm -hmm. And if you want to see the totally authentic uncensored version of my life like my dogs what I eat during the day check me out on Instagram at Miss Mothership I post every day on my story I'm a huge advocate for animals so I share a lot there but my goals are really to write another book Um, I want to I really want to figure out a way I I don't want to say I want to get into politics but there's no point of having this much exposure unless there can be long-term change so whether it's uh, animal rights, sex worker rights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to weasel my way in there somehow. That's, I hope you do. that's the big picture goal. Oh my God. That's amazing. Good. Please. I think that's like such a needed thing and I can't wait to, uh, have like a, your name on like my campaign lawn. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. It would be oh so God. much fun, but you never, you just, you just yeah. keep projecting it into what you want and allow, you don't need yes. to know how to get there. This is, that's the magic of the universe. Yeah. Is that just, you gotta think big. You gotta, gotta think big. You have to. Reach have for to. the stars. What a fun conversation. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I am. You're just, you're a whole joy. I wish there were more people like you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, when you're in California, come, come hit me up. Hey, North Carolina. I know it's not, nothing too exciting here, but we got the beach, the mountains, city. I heard it's beautiful. <laughs> I heard it's absolutely beautiful. All right. Well, I don't know if you ride horses or anything. That's one of my things. Okay. Have you ridden? (laughs) Have you ridden it on the beach? Yes. That is. We should just take some mushrooms and go. Oh my god. Okay. So I'm gonna. So I'll see you like next week in North Carolina. Perfect. (laughs) Be right there. I love it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much again. And for everyone, as always, trip on this. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're enjoying trip on this, definitely be sure to hit that subscribe button like, and share it with a friend. Also, if you're interested in more content from me, I have a second podcast called Life with Cat Walsh. This is a personal journal style podcast where I talk really about the raw, vulnerable nature of being alive, of being on an entrepreneurial path, of being on a spiritual awakening path. And so I share in all that I'm learning, my pitfalls, and anything that's coming up in the hope that it helps you along your own journey. So if you're interested, definitely head over and check that out. Life with Cat Walsh is also available on YouTube and all podcast platforms. I'll see you guys next time.